Hello, this is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, which is what only can satisfy the inner core of your being. Is what you're believing a delusion based in lies where you don't have real objective evidence, nor the subjective confirmation not only in your life, but in the lives of other, others. Or is it otherwise, indeed, confirmed by objective evidence, significant objective evidence, your own subjective experience, and verified by the same thing happening in multitudes of others around the world. Well, this is a little experiment I'm doing today. What I am doing, I may do if I have the time, is I am going to do, a, try to do, see if I can do a week, what I get every day of the week, uh, at least five days of the week. I do this pretty well every day of the week. This is for those that have come to know the true eternal God, the one true eternal God, for whom to know is life eternal. I am not addressing those from every background in the world here, although you're welcome, of course, to hear what I'm sharing here, to watch what I am sharing. I am here to address those that have come to know the one true God for whom to know its life eternal through Jesus Christ, who was a reality from the time of Adam and Eve and in the infinite past before this world was created. No, we don't worship three gods. There's only one God. And yes, he's great enough to communicate with everything he's created, no, no matter how insignificant. If he was less, he would not be unlimited in his greatness. He is great enough on this little speck of a planet to communicate with man in human form. And for him to be almighty, he must rule in conscious intelligence, in other words, in personality, over the three ultimate aspects of existence, which are beyond time and space. In the creation realm, as God the Son, beyond time and space, it is God the Father, the originator. And in omnipresence, filling all dimensions of existence, is God the Holy Spirit. That's all I'm going to share here, and I will refer those that do not know much about what I am sharing to go to ultimatemeaning.com, where you will see a video that I have on all the objective evidence confirming the reality of what I'm sharing. And also, a flipbook with many links highlighted in red print that go to YouTube videos showing from many fields of science and archaeology that what I am sharing here is not like some people believe, an idolatrous perception of God that is not confirmed by archaeology or science or anything else. This is highly confirmed objectively and subjectively. But today, this is the first message, and I want to share now with those that, are, that have come to make God the central treasure of their life by receiving his mercy through Jesus Christ. And so I want to share with them that the way I share these messages is by seeking to speak as the oracles of God. Because in 1 Peter 4.11, it commands us, it says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And that's not any, that's any man referring to any man that is, or person, that has come to the saving knowledge of God through Jesus Christ. We are, when we assemble together to meet in worship before God, to seek to allow God to flow through us by his spirit, 
so that we speak words that are coming out of the Spirit of God beyond ourselves. And this is further understood in Revelations 19.10, which says, Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God in spirit and in truth, out of a pure heart and great love for God, we are filled with his spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that releases the spirit of prophecy. In other words, we speak as the oracles of God in some measure. And so I will seek to speak out of a heart set and mindset of worship that it may testify of the reality of God that yes, he is so great that he would have such a great moral perfection in himself that without violating the integrity of his love that requires judgment on all that is contrary to love, he would humble himself more than you, a mere creature, suffer more than you, a mere creature, out of love for you that he created so that you could choose to receive his mercy, to repent and to make God the central treasure of your life, the Lord of your life, the Lord and Savior of your life because he became a perfect atoning substitutionary sacrifice on the cross through Jesus Christ. And that's a reality that happened before the world was created. It says in the Bible that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. In other words, slain before the world was created. Yes, it was not just a capacity. It was a reality in God. Who also is in rule beyond the time and space realm and beyond creation is God the Father. Knowing every detail of every single thing that's going to happen to the very mutest particle of existence that he is an omnipresent attached to by the Holy Spirit. So he's in personage, beyond creation, in creation, and in filling all dimensions of creation as the Holy Spirit. God the Father, the Son, the full expression of the being of the Father, the one and only full expression of the being of the Father into the creation realm, and God the Holy Spirit in omnipresence, filling not only the physical dimension, but dimensions far superior from the fourth to possibly the beyond the tenth dimension. Well, I want to share with you what I'm doing different this time is I'm going to actually cast lots right now to receive from God the two chapters that I always seek to get by the casting of Lot before God, that he would have me speak unto, that those two chapters would be two chapters chosen that would have the same message and theme that he is wanting me to bring forth, that they would confirm each other. And I do this every day of the week. And I meditate on those chapters, and then I speak for whatever amount of time I have to speak for, but I speak immediately after a half an hour of meditation without preparation, that I might facilitate speaking prophetically as the oracles of God. So, let's see. I want to show you what I do in the casting of the lot. So, we will go now to do that, and hopefully I haven't lost my place here. Oh, my. In all the talking I was doing, I probably did lose my place, but I think I'll find it. I think it's right up here. This is it. Now, I know I'm not minimized, so I guess I'll minimize myself. There you go. Forget that. I should be minimized. I'm going to use this random application on the internet to choose two chapters by the casting of the lot before God. I'm not going to do it in a light way. If I'm not walking in a right relationship with God, it won't work. So today, 
I'm going to first of all separate this application from all defilement of the internet and anything else by applying the blood of Almighty God who was shed on the cross through Jesus Christ to this application. And so, I will pray. Heavenly Father, as is my practice, I come before you this day to receive from you by the casting of Lot two chapters that is your message especially to the churches in the United States and in Canada but also around the world. And so I separate this application, the random Bibleizer now, from all defilement by applying your most holy, holy, holy precious blood. I'll pour it out of your love on the cross for us, that we may be cleansed of our sins through repentance. And reconcile to you, Father, I apply your most holy blood to this application now fresh this day to be so that it be used I know you can use it as it is so that it be used to your greater glory in receiving those two chapters from you that is your message at this day and in this time to the churches to the people that are truly your people that have been brought forth in you by the Spirit of God. And so now, I click on this application to apply your blood to it. I click on it with this mouse now. This application is now separated from all defilement. On to you. And so I thank you for the two chapters that I will receive by the casting of Lot before you. They will speak as I've requested and also to myself personally. And so I close my eyes and I thank you for the chapter now that I will receive from you. I click on it now. the first chapter and so the first chapter is Philemon 1 and I will do the second one besides Philemon 1 Today is January the 18th of 2024, and it's Thursday, and I got filament one. Heavenly Father, now I thank you for the second chapter that you will give me, that will bear witness with the first, as to theme and message to the churches that you would speak through me today. Thank you, Father. Close my eyes. I now thank you, Father, for the second chapter that I will receive by the casting of Lot before you. And so now... I click on it, thanking you for that chapter. Jeremiah 49. So today is Philemon 1 in Jeremiah 49.
now that I've received that. I will um, bring myself back up. And I will put this on pause to meditate on this. Well, I'm now continuing it continuing with this video after having my supper and cleaning up etc and then I continued to meditate for around a half an hour on these two passages and the two things that are common between these two passages is that there are verses that discuss coming out of captivity the topic of coming out of captivity is common in both of these chapters. But before we get into that, I do want to cast lots to receive a song. And so we will get about to do that right now. So I'm going to minimize myself and bring up one of the 150 worship songs <clears throat> by the casting of Lot that I have um, through using an application on the internet, which I should have here, um, which would be the Google number randomizer. So I've got 150 in there, and I'm going to pray over this right now. Um, and then we're going to cast Lot to receive the song that goes with this message. Heavenly Father, I now separate this Google number randomizer unto you from all defilement. That you would lead me to the right passage, or the right, pardon me, worship song that goes with this message. So I separate this application now by applying your most holy blood to it by clicking my mouse on that. Your most holy, holy, holy blood that has in it the imbuing of your ultimate perfection of love that was verified in your obedient union with the Father, though you were tempted in all points as we are. As we were. <clears throat> so I now apply your most holy blood outpoured out of your love on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven of our sin. Such people as us and all that it applies to I now click this mouse on this Google number random generator. Your blood has now been applied to it afresh this day to separate it from all defilement. And I'm asking now, Father, that you would lead me by the casting of Lot to the right worship song out of the 150 I have <clears throat> on my website. And so, I now thank you for that and hit the button to cast the lot to receive that song. It is the 58th, so I will now go, whoops, to there. We will go to worship songs. And we will go to the 58th. There's 50 on each of these. So it's on page two. And it'll be the eighth one. So 50, 55, 6, 7, 8. This is what God is giving. So we will play this one now.
I just love that tune and the words with it. It is such a beautiful worship song indeed. And so I will bring myself up now to normal. And I'm a little bit woozy and sleepy after having this meal. But I want to share, and I'm not haven't prepared a thing. I'm here to speak. Allow God by his spirit to speak through me what he is saying to the churches at this particular day and time. And we are living in a very serious time on this day of January the 18th of 2024, where the things that are happening in the world of kinetic war and coming in so many parts, especially in the Mideast, and now spreading, and the economy of the United States being at a serious, critical situation, and people being still drunk and asleep with their own interests and the things of their own lives to the point that they are ignoring these things in the government and so on. And I'm not going to get into that, of course, here on this video. I have already mentioned that there is a common theme that is in these two chapters. It is the coming out of captivity. And of course, many of us are familiar with Philemon, which is only a book with one chapter. So I want to begin reading, and it says here, I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So Christ Jesus dwells in them. 
And because he dwells in them and they are in Christ Jesus, and they are walking in a relationship of purity and love towards God and towards one another, the communication of their moral persuasion to have this relationship with God, to choose to endure all things, to have a relationship with God that is right and pure over anything else. Paul is saying that the communication of this moral persuasion that they have in God would become effectual, effectual towards one another, effectual towards God as well in communion, in fellowship, but also in their gifts, as I mentioned, we are to speak as the oracles of God. God commands us to speak as the oracles of God. And to do anything less, and to seek anything less when we come together, is to enter into a mode that is going in the wrong direction and greatly limiting God. And one of the ways we limit God these days is by not allowing and facilitating each member of the body to communicate with one another in the gatherings as it was in the beginning of the church, where each member moved in the gifts of the Spirit. And it says one had a psalm, one had this gift and another gift, whether it's a testimony or a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy. These things should all be cultivated to build up one another, as it says in the word of God, that we may with all saints comprehend the height and the depth of the love of God, that that comprehension and that revelation of God may distill in us in such a measure that we would be filled corporately with the fullness of God's presence and individually out of that with a greater fullness of God's presence that would manifest life, but above all, love, because it's out of the love of God that issues life and creativity. And out of the creativity, of course, issues people's lives being changed, being brought out of bondage into liberty as they are brought under conviction as they hear words of prophecy and the motivations of their heart are exposed because each member in the body is speaking prophetically or speaking as the oracles of God as they sense God leading them out of that inner sense of his presence calling them not to quench what is in them but to bring it forth without a motivation of seeking significance before people or before God, but out of the true fear of God that births humility and honesty. And honesty that births humility. And humility that births honesty. That's what comes out of the genuine fear of God. So there is a pure word that is coming towards one another and causing us to enter into greater and greater joy of faith and fullness of this faith that is mentioned in Ephesians 4 that God is desiring us to enter into, and that is the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God, the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. It comes out of a relationship that is pure. But if the church, as most churches are nowadays, is has all the people that are just in the leadership at the front running everything. Everyone sits back and they don't do hardly a thing. Oh, you might have a few people get up and ask to use the mic. Is that really what God wants? Is that allowing the Holy Spirit to fully move through the body of Christ? I've written a book which you can purchase on Amazon that tells you what you should be doing or suggests many good things that you can do in your assembly to not limit 
the fullness of the headship of Jesus Christ from inhabiting your local assembly, whether it's two or three people or 30 people or 100 or 500 people or thousands of people in your assembly, not to limit the fullness of the headship of Christ from inhabiting our gathering around Yahweh, the Almighty's, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in whom it is revealed in Jesus Christ, in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwells. God is calling us in these days to come into a new order, to repent of having our ways in our assemblies, to being insensitive to the head because we have not repented of the loves of the world that take up our time and our energy and distract us from full devotion in our love to God. And as a result, there is a hardness of heart. We need to repent of the things that take up our time and our energy and become our focus that are like the alcoholic, we take a little bit of it and then we're drawn into it and then we're taking more and more and more and all our time goes in something that is temporal, that is desensitizing us and hardening our heart. And then we wonder why there is divorce in the church because of hardness of heart. We wonder why there is denominative mindsets that cause divisions in the church and cause fragmentation into many different church. Church is saying, I'm of this persuasion. I'm of that persuasion. And there's no love because when people have a different persuasion or in some measure of a different persuasion come into the assembly, oh, we want to make... Yeah, we believe in loving everyone. Yeah, brother, we love you. We feel a lot easier around you. So hi. Uh, we kind of keep our distance from you. But yeah, nice brother. Have a good day. Yeah, that's not love. That's not the genuine love of God. The genuine love of God is totally outpoured in humility before God and before one another. And in the past message, I preached on that. And I want to go on and I want to share here about Philemon because many of us are familiar with this story. This is about a slave who his master had. And this slave, we'll read it here for ourselves. I'm going to stop this thing in the future from coming up. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. This is Paul the Apostle speaking, which in time past was to the unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me, whom I have sent again. Thou therefore receive him that is mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity. You shouldn't be just doing this to please me because you feel like, well, I'm really a man of God and I have spiritual authority, therefore I feel like I... But in your heart, you're upset because this man was your slave and he fled from you. But Paul is saying, this slave whose name is Onesimus, that you are to receive him back as someone that is free. Onesimus was willing to pay a price of being possibly misunderstood, being without money, without help, by fleeing his master. Remember the song we just sang that the name of Jesus takes away our fears. One of the things that causes captivity is fear. And what is fear? Fear is the consciousness of loss. And if we have a consciousness of loss in our being, then we do not have that consciousness of 
God's love in our being fully there if we are believers. If we are moved to a situation where we have fear, we are not fully in our faith towards God because there is a fear, a consciousness of loss is a consciousness of losing something of the immediate that gives us our self-life, our soul life, comfort. Or, like, who doesn't fear pain, right? Every one of us would fear to experience pain. We're human. Can we come to a place where we don't fear pain? I'm sure in measure, there's always a measure of fearing pain or fearing suffering. But we are called to arm ourselves with a mind to suffer, even as Christ suffered, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. I am talking about fear in us that becomes a greater motivation than our moral persuasion in God and our love for God. We may have a measure of fear, but if our moral persuasion in God, that he loves us and has our best interests in mind is there, then there is not fear. There is peace in our heart. So that there can be a storm raging around us. I remember the account, reading of the account, and I don't remember all the details, of the Moravians, which were people that were very committed to God, and they often cast lots, by the way, as I do, except they cast lots to the extreme of choosing their wives, etc., etc., but they did it with great reverence before God. But I believe it was, I forget if it was, who it was, if it was Wesley or who it was, there was this raging storm, and they're traveling to the New World, and it looks like they might not make it. And here they are, they're singing hymns, and if it was Wesley here, he couldn't believe that these people could have such a relationship with God that in the midst of the storm, they're singing hymns. It's like Paul the Apostle in the prison and with, with the others, and they're singing hymns when they got, you know, chains on them, and they've probably been already whipped and are going to be whipped some more. And they're praising God till there's an earthquake. What did Christ say in the midst of the storm? He said, peace be still. What was he saying? That the peace that dwells within him because of this love relationship he has with God is far greater than the circumstances so that that peace that is in him, the stillness that is in him out of the love relationship he has with God has out of that authority over those circumstances to speak to them with authority because there is not fear in him. There is rather peace because he senses the presence of God because he knows God. He knows a love relationship with God an identity out of love for God and of knowing God's love in him. That's why it says in the word of God that perfect love casts out fear because it does. And to come out of captivity means to take bold steps against addictions. You fear to give up this addiction because your identity is in a self temp a temporal self-comfort, probably more than your relationship with God in some cases. The way you break that habit is out of a life that is built up in faith and love. Remember, the Word of God says that faith works by love. And faith, it says in Jude, that we are to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And we pray in the Holy Spirit by praying out of a pure heart, not speaking presumptuously, 
but praying in such a way that we are moved in our spirit and in our soul to express our love to God that often can come out in another tongue. Because when you have a deep turning in the heart towards God, there is a perception that comes from the eye of the heart that is open to the Spirit of God animating your heart to behold the glory of God, so that as that old hymn says, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. And God is calling us as his people in this hour to overcome our fears, of which are what is keeping us as individuals in captivity and as congregations from coming into this new order under the headship of Christ that will conquer your community and make it, as it were, a new Jerusalem. What does it say in the word of God? That we're to give him no rest until Jerusalem goes forth as a torch that burns in this hour of crisis in the United States. If you want to conquer your nation, start with the church waking up and coming into this new order under the fullness of the headship of Jesus Christ. And then watch the presence of God come down in your midst and in your community. You don't just have another church service. You start on your face before God. Forget about your programs. His house is a house of prayer. You should be starting your meeting on your face, becoming more conscious of God in your midst. Your pre-service prayer meetings, hardly anyone comes to them. Make your church service a prayer meeting. Start it always on your face before God with significant time in prayer where people are free to pray out <coughs> as they sense the Spirit leading them and others stand behind them. And then out of that, allow each member to function in the gifts. Allow them to sing out songs. Whatever the Spirit of God leads them to do. And then you can have, like I do, the casting of lot for songs. And, you know, it's better to start your church service around 2 o'clock in the afternoon and have one long church service that lasts for three to four hours. And where people have lots of time to prepare for the church service without the interruption of a meal. And where after, at around 6 o'clock, you can have your supper if it's on Sunday or whatever. There are many things I suggest in that book. But this will bring the presence of God down. When we return to the genuine fear of God, which is receiving fully who God is, first in his severity against sin in our lives and in this world, acknowledging that his holiness is good, that that is the integrity of his love that will not allow what is in the slightest contrary to his agape love that always chooses the highest lasting good. And of course, any lesser choice has a measure of corruption, but his love is totally pure. It is holy. And at first of all, the fear of God acknowledges that holiness, acknowledges that God requires a life that is holy because it is only holiness that brings wholeness. That's what brings the love of God. Because when you see how holy God is, you see you're undone. You become honest. You become humble. And you recognize your need of his mercy. And he can then impart onto you his mercy and reveal his love to you. So faith is working by love because now you have faith in who God is and in his love in those two aspects, the integrity of his love that will not tolerate sin and the mercy of his love that can only come out of the right perception of God as good in his holiness that is severe on sin. And God is calling us as his people in these last days that come out of our captivity and our shells and our congregations, our denominational shell. And so Onesimus is able to return to his master as someone that is truly a free man. And maybe he says, I love my master, I love my Lord, I will not go free, because he indeed now knows that he is free inside. So Jeremiah 49 
is about various nations that God is going to judge. And I took one towards the end, for example. And this shows that God is merciful even to the heathen nations to bring them into captivity, that that captivity might corner them to God, that he might restore them as a result back to God. And so there's a prophecy here of one of the nations that he's judging. It says this, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will break the bow of Elam, the chief of their might, and upon Elam will I bring the four winds from the four quarters of heaven, and I will scatter them toward those winds, and there shall be no nation whither the outcasts of Elam shall not come. I was trying to, I couldn't, I didn't have enough time to really get into fully knowing everything about Elam and where it's from and so on, but it seems to be, uh, I think it was the southwestern corner of Iran or somewhere there. Um, For I will cause Elam to be dismayed before their enemies and before them that seek their life, and I will bring evil upon them, even my fierce anger, saith Yahweh, or the Lord, in English, and I will send the sword after them till I have consumed them. And I will set my throne in Elam. God's going to set his throne in this nation. We know that in modern Iran, the underground church is, is growing under severe persecution. And the time will come where the gospel will prevail in that nation till the very throne of God comes down in their midst as there are so many that turn to Christ. Right now, of course, we see the terrible oppression and tyranny that the church and many of the people that desire freedom and there are suffering. And the Lord says he will destroy from thence the king and the princes saith the Lord, and it shall come to pass in the latter days that I will bring again the captivity of Elam, saith Yahweh. God loves all the nations, and he especially loves Israel. And Israel right now is going through a terrible time of trial and of great battle, and people have woken up out of their self-comfort and are experiencing tremendous adversity. But what is that doing? It's exposing their fears. It's exposing the things they've been in bondage to that they realize are no longer significant and important compared to eternity and their relationship with God. It is causing them to search their hearts. Why did I choose to believe in such lies as the theory of evolution? Most of the people in Tel Aviv, for example, are atheists, whereas a little over 50% of the population of Israel, many, many the rest of Israel, um, overall in Israel, I think is a bit over 50%, do believe in God. So God is wanting to bring this nation to him, and he will in the last days because he will bring all nations against Israel in the fierceness of his anger to destroy them because at that time they will have ultimately rejected the gospel. But this is something in the latter days that probably is just before that time happens. So I do believe there will be the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38 and 39. And then it says the whole world will know that the Lord is God when this fulfillment happens, when all these nations come against Israel. And there will be a great harvest of souls. And then after that, there will be the Antichrist and the ultimate deception that will come and that will bring in the kingdom of God upon the earth. So this is the message today. Thank you for listening to this message. And purchase my book on the afterlife as well on Amazon, Afterlife Incredible Irrefutable. 368-page large paperback. You can get it on your digital devices on Amazon. Feel free to go ahead and purchase that book. Or the other one, God Headship and Body Invasion, which is on the church. It's a little different looking, but it's about 252 pages. 
an outline form of everything you can do in your church to um, basically um, not limit the glory of God in these last days. This is key to conquering your nation more than anything. And all the other things you're doing in the United States especially are important to fight all of this corruption in high places and overthrow it. But remember, ultimately, we must be bold and where our boldness and courage comes out of a strong identity in God that is only possible in a relationship which has a life of prayer and of relationship with him that builds up our faith and our union with him. So thank you for listening to this message. God bless you all.